Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome, listeners, to our final daily recap of Fantastic Fest here in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your your co-hosts, Wendy, joined by my intrepid companion, Melissa. And we once again have, joining us from the backseat of our luxurious recording studio... Adam, I am back in the hey, back seat. Where you belong. <laughs> Indeed. How, how do you pronounce your last name, Adam? Lewick. Lewick. So it's two syllables, not one. Yes, awesome. and it's very See, German. And, I, and I you was... blog, right? I do. Filmfrequency.com. There we go. We got your plug. Awesome. Thank you very much. Because right. I feel like your last name needs an umlaut. Like, yuck. It does. It does. Yes. It... You're my umlaut friend. Yay. Yes. I mean, it, it doesn't now, probably when my ancestors way, way back came to the United States, they dropped the umlaut, but I think mm-hmm. some time ago there was one. <laughs> you got a little Christopher Walken sneaking, I'm just letting you know. It's so, sneaking in a little there as you get tired. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dear listeners, it is 4.11 in the morning Oh right my now. god, and the things that have happened. Yeah, oh. we had quite a day. We got, Final day of Fantastic Fest is a, is a thing to behold. Oh my. Yes, yes. So, so I played fast and loose today with my movies. I don't... No, I did not see one movie I was assigned to today. I'm proud of you. <laughs> like they they assigned me movies, and I was like, nope, those are that's not what I. You can't tie me down. You can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna go watch these movies instead. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. <laughs> well, not in the first slot because I was still getting over my hangover. I'm so sorry, listeners, if I did or said anything when I was drunk. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, we do have recorded evidence of it now. <laughs> god damn it. And it's on the internet. That means it's it it's there forever. That's oh. right. You know what I give up. I'm not gonna, no shame. No shame. I'm yeah, just gonna just, own you it. just gotta own it. Just own it. All right, so round one. What did you see, Melissa? I actually got into one of the shorts programs. Yay! Yay. So at every year at Fantastic Fest, there are three shorts programs. So like three movie slots that are just short films. And usually there's like an animated program, a horror program, and then everything else. And the one I saw today, I believe was the horror program. I can never keep the titles of the program straight, but they were all horror shorts. So therefore, I think I saw the horror program. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was really solid this year. I was impressed. There were some really great short films in there. Um, um, my three favorites of the slate, there was one called Portal to Hell. Uh, Gee, why would you like that? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It stars Roddy Roddy Piper. <laughs> the late, great Roddy Roddy Piper as a janitor of a building <laughs> where he basically goes downstairs and finds two of his tenants trying to raise Cthulhu. 
and hijinks ensue, and it's a wonderful little horror comedy thing. It's like eh, 15 minutes long I have to so. point out the satanic theme is strong again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also there was one called House of Straw, which was a, um, a werewolf short, but you didn't know it was a werewolf until late in the game, and so it's, this is kind of a spoiler, I'm sorry, but, um, but it's... It kind of focuses on this married couple who clearly have been dealing with, like, the husband's been a werewolf for a long time. And you just kind of see them doing the preparations for him doing the change. Like, they have the shed out back and they've picked up the stuff from the butchers and put it in a bathtub for him. And, you know, they're doing the locks and, you know, like, IVs and all this crazy stuff. Well, just, you know conversing about groceries and shit and (laughs) (laughs) and uh but you know there's this marital drama going on at the same time and that was really good too and uh there was also the babysitter murders which uh plays as a really solid uh slasher short you know babysitters Mm. at home garden the kid uh crazy guy breaks in and uh the young lady babysitter you know you know Womps his lights out, basically. But that that's not all there is to it. I will leave it at that. Sounds good. Yeah. It's, it does sound good. Yeah, good stuff. Very good intriguing. stuff. What did you see round one, Adam? I saw the Norwegian disaster film The Wave, which I believe you, uh, one or not, both of you have seen and kind of talked about earlier in the week. But <laughs> Yeah, I think we've brought it up separately like three different times as different people have seen it across the Yeah, well, I saw slate. it twice. That was my uh, that was my recovery film after after the assassin. <laughs> so what did you think of it? Ed? I enjoyed it for uh, for the most part. I think you know going into that film and, and disaster films in general, I think the wave really um, it's exactly what you would think it is. It's mm-hmm. really nothing more, but it's also nothing less. It really doesn't. It's not disappointing in satisfying um, a lot of the general uh, tropes or aspects of a disaster film. And also coming with that are some kind of obligatory potential pitfalls of mm-hmm. the disaster genre, be it uh, what I kind of call this obligatory, obligatory coincidences, whether it's, you know, after the disasters happens and a father or a mother is trying to find, you know, they're going to regroup with the rest of their family, a lot of timing that is just perfect to work out to find someone and mm-hmm. kind of suspending a little bit of disbelief. and. There are those instances in the wave, but I think what they did overall keeps those pieces from derailing the film. Um, like I think was mentioned before earlier in the week, the, the FX shots are, are really impressive. I thought the special effects shots were um, were great, especially the initial rock slide uh, sequence in particular. And, and I guess the one last thing I want to mention about the film was... Um, you know, usually in those disaster movies, you get that kind of the, the money shot of a town just being totally in ruins and in, in, in utter disrepair. And you don't get that in the film, maybe, maybe right. right at the bitter end. And I think it's a good thing because it's, um, it instills a level of intimacy and it makes you care about the characters more because of that, because it narrows the scope and the scale a bit. And I think that's something that, you know, is a, is a nice touch for the wave and I think makes the film overall pretty successful. Yeah. 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 Nicely said. Okay. So, um, somewhere in there, I got a massage. I want to, <laughs> like, you got one earlier, right? No, I, I, I oh, haven't. I think just, <clears throat> so anyway, cause you know, hangover. So I was hurting and my, and <clears throat> anybody who follows me on Facebook knows that my post this morning was sort of. My thoughts as I woke up in in order as they appeared. And the first thought was, oh, hey, I'm awake. 
oh shit, I headbanged last night, didn't I? <laughs> oh my god, my neck was killing me. And here at Fantastic Fest for the last week, they have had masseuses with their little like massage chairs. And you go out and you can buy like a, a chair massage. And they're there till like 6 p.m. every day. Like, how great is that? <laughs> Thank God for that. I also want to point out, just because it amused me. All right, this is completely off the topics. But as we all know, we went out to... Oh, you all oh, listeners, you don't know. After we recorded last night, Melissa kindly took me out for pancakes to try to calm down the raging alcohol in my system. <laughs> and neither one of us finished the food that we had gotten. So there was little takeout containers. Full of pancakes. So I... We also went to the Magnolia again tonight after the closing night party, and Melissa again didn't finish her food. So as she's climbing in the car with her new container of food, what's on the seat of the passenger side? But the container of food from last night that is now empty because she ate it in a fit of food rage driving to the Alamo this morning. Yeah, I rolled that pancake up like a taco and just, ah, <laughs> while rolling down Mopac. Yeah. <laughs> Good times, good times, y'all. All right, um, so round two. I actually got there like only 10 minutes late for round one, so I basically just sat around and like randomly talked with people and sat in the sunlight and had a good time and waited for everybody to come out of round one. Mm -hmm. And my plan was to go see... Oh, what was I supposed to see? I'm not even remembering now. But but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because everybody I talked to was going to see The Devil's Candy. Everybody I talked to until finally I'm like, I, I'm fucking, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to go see the Devil's Candy. That's what I'm going to do. And we totally saw Devil's Candy. Oh, we did. We we saw the fuck out of Devil's Candy, <laughs> which is metal as shit, man. Oh, my God. Metal <laughs> that, as fuck. You, you have no idea how metal this movie is. It's, and it's very, very metal. Satan. Oh, my God. And Satan. What I really, really appreciate, and somebody else said it, and I totally agree with him, is like normally in those types of movies, they like sort of try to justify why that ground would be so cursed or why Satan would be there. And they're just like, you know what? Fuck, it's Satan. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's like, does hey, Satan... he happens to be there. Yeah, hey, you know. Satan. <laughs> you, you caught the Satan bug. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, you moved into the house. You didn't quite clean out the gutters. You got Satan growing in your gutters, man. What are you going to do? Nah, and, that answers um... so much about my old house. <laughs> But, uh, dear listeners, the, the basis of uh, Devil's Candy is there's, okay, so there's a house, there was a family living in it with an adult uh, son, and the both of the parents die, and there's something kind of funny with the son's head where, you know, he, he hears the voice of presumably Satan and has to drown it out with very loud music, you know, namely, you know, metal yeah heavy by metal playing playing that heavy yeah, rock heavy God. metal just just power chords flying and v flying v guitar right yeah. yeah yeah and uh so that's the intro to the movie and so after the the parents tragically die um the a new family comes in to buy the house and it happens to be a uh, youngish couple, you know, they're... You the, know, daughter, they, the daughter is clearly like 12 or 13. Yeah. And so the, the father is a metalhead, the mother is less of a metalhead, but, you know, she suffers, you know... She's, she's, she's alternative gladly. enough that she married him. Yeah, and the daughter's totally into metal. So, you know, there's this this metal bond between father and daughter. And uh, the the man is a, a 
an artist, so he has a studio, and so they set up in this house, and soon things start going awry because the uh, adult son with the, the, from the previous family is still running around and doing horrible, and horrible things. Because they didn't quite know about the son, and he shows up, and then like... And then like, oh, by the way, he probably still has a keys, a key, and you should probably change the lock. Yeah. Ugh, creepy man. Yeah, you start stalking around the daughter, and, and, and the, horrible the, things happen. Yeah, but. horrible things are happening. The because um, you you got this shot like, and it seriously, it's the establishing shot. This is no spoiler. Of the son is in the house um, before anything has happened, and he's hearing the voice of Satan, and he's playing his guitar to drown it out. And then once they move in, there's a moment where the father is alone in the house for the first time, and he's hearing the same voices, and you're like, oh, shit, he's possessed of the devil now. I liked that guy. Mm -hmm. And then he starts um, painting these radically different paintings that are so fucking satanic, and he's, like, losing time like he doesn't remember painting them. You're like, oh, this does not bode well. Ah. And... Um, uh, they become the target of Satan. Satan's trying to do some shit in the form of this man. And it's pretty awful. It's yeah. really intense. It's really effective. And then it does really kind of unexpected things. Yeah. I, it is, um, uh, I was talking to Cargill after the movie and, uh, he's like, yeah, this is the most commercial movie here. It, yeah. it, it is, it is a, it is a middle of the strike zone, uh, really solid horror movie. Will play well to general audiences. Um, it's it's a lot of f fun. Is not quite the right word because it's not like a comedy or anything, but it's it's uh, satisfying. It's very satisfying, <laughs> and uh, it's it it's it play it it uh, has like a lot of familiar tropes, but it's not a story you've seen before. Um, this was a movie that cemented for me, too, between this and The Wave. Like, because I, I was watching it and I'm like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's something about genre films. Maybe it's something about people who are setting out to make a smaller, specifically genre-targeted film. Once again, no manufactured interrelational crisis, mm -hmm. right? No, no, like, oh, the husband and wife are on the brink of divorce, Oh, the daughter is just coming out of rehab. None of that. They're just a family. And is it perfect? No, but it's the usual annoyances of living with other people. Like mm -hmm. somebody in the wave is like, well, clearly there was strain on that marriage. And I'm like, I am here to tell you that was not like huge strain. That wasn't like divorce strain. That was we're moving and it's stressful strain. Yeah. I just did it. I can tell you that. And that's why I liked it is like Hollywood inevitably has to put in some sort of conflict that by going through the disaster of the movie, the disaster will help them to resolve their personal conflict. Except that that's not, that's not a real resolution. That's a cheap, fake resolution that isn't actually going to solve the underlying problem, which right. is something that we all get pissed about in those movies. It's like, the problem didn't go away. You just got fucking beat up by a mobster, so now you don't care as much. That's all that's going on. So yeah, I that I really loved the Devil's Candy. Like everybody yeah, in the theater was good. just like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> and but once again, Satan, Satan. There was a lot of Satan this year. So much Satan. So much Satan. And if it wasn't Satan, it was a goat who was Satan. Yeah. <laughs> also, also Satan. Goats, cause Satan. <clears throat> All right. So round two, Adam. What did you see? 
on a slightly lighter note, um, <laughs> I saw um, the animated film April and the Extraordinary World. Yay! We liked that. We did. What which, did you think? Which I very much enjoyed. It's this uh, quirky, comedic, um, steampunk vision that I think, you know, balances a lot, you know, dealing with some of the interesting themes in the Gilded Age. And this is kind of a steampunk vision that isn't very hopeful. It's a one that it views the use of technology and, and, and actually kind of primitive technology in the steampunk age as a downer, um, to, to, for lack of a better term. And, and, um, so building on that and with the protagonist, April, which, heck, yeah, a protagonist, a female protagonist who wants to be a chemist and a scientist mm-hmm. and just very matter of fact about it, I thought was great. Um, and with, you know, she has a talking cat, which is, you know, just a nice ad. I think this is it really works for, a, you know, this is a four quadrant movie, I suppose, is what the uh, the producers <laughs> in Hollywood would say. Um, you know, towards the end, there are some kind of. You get into some of those science fiction films where the the big bad is kind of, oh, I made this, you know, we're making this leap and you have to do this and I rigged this so you're all screwed now and and have to, you know, jump through these different loops here and there. And they do that a bit, but I think overall I just, I I really enjoyed it, Um, it, you know, with the humor, the steampunk themes. um, It's uh, hopefully one that folks in the U.S. can catch uh, one way or another. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So then, um, then round four, three, round three, round three. And so we came out of, uh, devil's candy and I'm like, now you're seeing, uh, what are you seeing, Melissa? You're seeing that, uh, I'm seeing Shaw brothers, man on 35 millimeters. So, um, yeah, there were a couple of old Shaw brothers prints being played this year at uh, fantastic fest. Um, one of them being eight diagram pole fighter, which is 1984, um, starring Gordon Liu and oh, so pretty oh my god uh yeah <laughs> so wendy got in to see that yeah because I, I was like i was supposed to see camino and i'm like fuck if i'm gonna see camino i'm gonna go sit with melissa and watch the shaw brothers film and i am so glad i did it, it, it's it, i'd never see I, i'd heard about it before because it's pretty high up there among shaw brothers fans but it like recalibrated my sense of martial arts movies. It was like beautiful. the the <sighs> the fight choreography is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. The the director of the film uh, was a formal martial artist and then turned film director. And so the entire movie is basically just fight choreography. And it's 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 fast, it's original, um it's it, it's really poppy, fun to watch, and um, Gordon Liu's at the center of it, and I'm always oh, okay with that. That is a very, very pretty man. Like, when he's got his hair, he's really pretty, and then he shaves his head because he wants to be a monk. And then suddenly he's like, oh, damn, son, your cheekbones is killing me. Mm-hmm. Ah, Jesus. Oh, very attractive man. <laughs> but And there was some fight stuff that happened, like the crowd, like the audience broke out into applause and just like... Jesus, that was amazing. How clever was that? It was really original. And, uh, you know, it's your classic sort of, we've been set up, we need to redeem our name, blah, blah, blah. And the subtitles were a little goofy, but, like, they told me enough to figure out what was going on. I love the naming scheme for all the brothers. There's, like, seven brothers, and they're named number one, number two, number three. 
number four, etc. And then they had two daughters who are named number eight, eight and number, number nine, nine. <laughs> which is delightful. Yeah. Ah. I'm, I'm wondering if they actually had name names in Chinese, but... Uh, but and, they and realized just, that anybody else would be like, what? Yeah, who's who? Who's who? One, two, three. It, let's just do that. Well, because five of the seven brothers die pretty quickly in the whole process. Yeah, that that's like opening scene sort of stuff. Yeah, that's it's no spoilers there. It's like you kind of are told, even told even in like the little pro-like thing, like shit's about to get stupid dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was honestly oh, one of the best kung fu movies I've ever seen. It's incredible. Like just incredible. Like yeah, re- that recalibration of holy shit! I don't know if I knew they could be this good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and we're talking fight scenes with dozens of people in it. Oh, yeah. and that crazy thing with the coffins. Oh, the god, the coffin pyramid is amazing. There are the yeah. There's oh, how about the the cart of bamboo? Oh, that was oh so my god, that was awesome. Yeah, there there are so many things uh, involving Gordon Liu hitting people with sticks. Yes, of he, varying lengths. He has a lot of sticks, and he he hits people with them. Yes, oh. and and you love every second of it. You didn't see anything in round three, did you? I didn't. But you know, I should ask, though, for listeners who are yeah. interested in seeing Shaw Brothers movies. Okay, yeah. Um, what are what are some ways for them to catch some of these? Are there some upcoming releases? There are um, actually, well, 8 Diagram Pole Fighter, I may or may not have walked out of that theater and bought it on Amazon for six bucks. Um because it's available on DVD. You don't need to say may or may not. You didn't do anything illegal. <laughs> Cannot confirm nor deny I, that I went can, on Amazon. <laughs> you can confirm that, Melissa. It's okay. No. All right, I, I totally Six did. bucks on Amazon, people. Yeah, ding. It's mine now. Uh, yeah, a lot of those uh, Shaw Brothers movies are available on DVD super cheap. Um, they're a lot of times not in the greatest shape. Yeah. But uh, they can be easily found the you can find box sets and and stuff like that um what is harder is to you know figure out which ones are the real good ones and which ones are just kind of run of the mill yeah but i feel like all you have to do is do one google search best shaw brothers best shaw brothers and you know you hit the nerd pages and yeah and you know the nerd pages like you avoid the clicky bait ones and the ones that make you click for each goddamn one avoid those just go to the nerd pages Oh, yeah. oh, which would be a good time to plug. The American Genre Film Archive is doing yes. a Kickstarter. Yes, they are. Listeners. And what they want to do is they want to buy a... Uh, a 4K scanner so they can digitize their prints. And this it, is important. This is very important. Uh, American Genre Film Archive, if I remember it, has a large collection of Shaw Brothers prints. And uh, they wish to, you know take care of them properly well actually and to preserve, preserve them, them. At, all, at all listeners if you're not a huge film nerd you may not realize film doesn't last forever yeah it crumbles it it crumbles it goes gelatinous it melts it turns pink yeah film doesn't last forever so before we lose these films and so many films have already just been lost nobody knows what happened to them we need to get them and we need to scan them into digital format so that they don't just disappear from the world forever. Because mm-hmm. that would be a very sad thing to lose Gordon Liu's cheekbones. I'm just... Yeah, I'm totally. Also, yeah. Totally. Those so, should live forever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Happy space. Yeah. Anyway. Um, My hands are right here. We have the fourth round, the final round of movies for the day. So Melissa and I both had Boy and the Beast. Yeah, we yeah, that's the ticket that we got. Which was gonna be like at seven thirty. Yeah, something like that. And uh and so we go we get done with our movie, we go outside and we run into Ray and Adam standing in the standby line uh-huh. for Bone Tomahawk. Which is the new Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell was supposed to be a fantastic fest, but he got injured in mm-hmm. some way something pretty minor but it kept him from traveling so he wasn't a- actually able to attend so but everybody was super excited for this movie regard partially yeah originally because of kurt russell but also because even if he's not actually physically present it's still a kurt russell film well th- that and um the people who had seen it prior to the fest or l- like at prior press screenings said it was awesome yeah. so the buzz was really good on it and it's the closing night film, and everybody wants to, like, I, you know, I don't even care what it is. I just want to be there with everybody else to watch the same film. And so we come out to chat with them, and I'm like, wait. And they're, you guys were pretty close in line, and there wasn't anybody really in line yet behind you. And I'm like, um, th- this would be seating before our movie, so even if we don't get in, we could still go to our movie. So mm-hmm. why don't we get in line here? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Let's try for Bone Tomahawk, and we totally got in. And we totally got in. We yeah. all got in, which is great because yeah. I really like that movie. Yes. So Bone Tomahawk, dear listeners. Actually, Adam, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Could you do it? I'm going to zone out a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, you haven't had much of a chance to talk. It's four and four thirty in the morning. I'm so tired. Four thirty-five. So I won't, I won't, I won't uh, reveal too much plot specifics because there are some nice surprises and delights to behold for people who um, do seek out this film. But what it is is it is um, a western horror movie. It's not just a western, and it's not just a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You mash those two together. You take Wyatt Earp and a really stellar cast, including Richard Jenkins, Yay. Patrick Wilson, and yeah. Matthew Fox. I and mean, seriously, there it's. Four dudes, it's four main dudes, and it's those four guys. Yeah. And all of them are fantastic. They're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- absolutely. And, it, you know, beyond that, it takes a similar um, path to some Westerns, kind of a road film, a journeying out. Um, Patrick Wilson's characters, his wife is abducted by a group of savages or termed troglodytes. Yes. Is, is um is what they're called in the film who have some kind of unique um uh, dietary practices <laughs> uh, we'll put it that way and so the the film ensues they're you know out to pursue these um uh, pursue this pack of savages to try to recover uh, the wife and a few other characters who have been abducted. Um, I don't want to dig in too far no. beyond that. Yeah. Um, as it's, far as the premise of the film, it's the searchers meets you know, you know troglodytes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and if you've never seen the searchers, which is a classic John Wayne film, go see the searchers. Oh, goddamn, find the searchers <laughs> and watch it. It really is good. There's a reason it's still considered a classic. Anyway, yeah. What do you think, Melissa? I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it's very good. I don't know how it will play with general audiences. Yeah, because um, aside from Fantastic Fest, I'm not sure what that audience is. Yeah, like most people don't actually really want to see a Western, and I'm not sure how they would feel about a Western suddenly turning into a pretty gory. Really gory. Yeah. Uh, 
like yeah. horror film yeah. just suddenly and out of the blue yeah i mean this, this the the violence while used sparingly is really really it gruesome. is nonetheless graphic yeah there ain't a lot of it but they make it's quantity it's quality over quantity people. yes yes <laughs> definitely like oh god that's oh oh god <laughs> Um, there's some clever touches with the manufactured uh, culture of mm -hmm. the troglodytes that I really liked. I really liked Patrick Wilson in this. I yeah, really, he was good. Really liked him in this. Um, and Richard Jenkins. I just love Richard Jenkins. Well, Richard Jenkins had the he's, best goddamn role in the whole good movie. Good God, he's amazing. He, well, he he steals just about any movie that he's in. But it is the considered is... opinion of the backup deputy that Richard Jenkins is awesome. Yeah. Also, there was a goat. The, the name of totally the, goat. The name of the saloon is the Learned Goat. So all of us who've just been like on Black Philip love all week, we're just like Black Philip, yeah. The Learned Goat. The Learned Goat. Um, the supporting cast is really good. Uh, like um, the Sid mayor, Haig. the mayor and the mayor's wife. Those characters were great. Mm -hmm. Sid Haig has a brief appearance right at the beginning. Um, the bartender, I liked him. I, uh, was the bartender the same guy who came out and found the first body? I think it was. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, because there's back. there's like a lovely. Because it's four thirty eight in the morning. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lovely honest moment where he comes and gets the sheriff. I found this body in in the barn. The sheriff. Everybody comes. He comes with the sheriff, and they're like investigating and everything. And the sheriff's like, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do." And, and the sheriff leaves, and he's left there. The mm -hmm. where the bartender guy is left there and the door is open and you can see him just start to poke his head in then you just see him go i don't fucking want to know and he runs off yeah and i'm like and that moment where he just sort of shakes it head his head and runs off that was so honest mm -hmm. it really was like that's good that's a good little moment i liked that yeah i think it's a really a credit to the script i believe it was by um s craig zoller who also directed the film it's his feature debut yeah and 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 i think you know throughout the film i think it some critiques people would say that maybe it starts a little bit slow and there is a um a little bit of a slow burn building and really getting to know these characters but i think um it takes a little bit of time to get calibrated to the rhythm and the pacing of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. But once you catch on, it is really snappy and really crisp. It, provi it provides some great comedic moments. But it also kind of – it's uh, – listeners, if you think about if you're fans of Deadwood or some of Quentin Tarantino's westerns, it's that kind of snappy – um, smart kind of ironic dialogue that comes through, and Richard Jenkins is his his performance is really at the heart of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I think as it builds over time, it makes you care about these characters more. As you know, they they get closer to this group of savages, which and these guys are really uh, overmatched. You know, it's it's oh, they yeah. live in a, yeah. they live in a very peaceful town. They don't have a lot of trouble, and they're coming across this you know almost this force of well, nature. And the uh, their expert in town, which is an American Indian mm -hmm. that they call the professor, they bring him in to like look at the arrow they found and everything. It's like, and that's who is the person who tells them this is what you're up against. This is where you can find them. And he's like, yeah, you're all are toast. You're going to die if you go out there and try to fight them. They will kill you, and you will die. FYI. Don't fucking care because you're assholes. You treat Indians like they're assholes, so I don't like you either. But you're going to die. 
<laughs> right. And it, and it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned that and the characters, you know, Kurt Russell's character, Patrick Wilson's character, they don't bat an eye at that. Yeah. And it's because, you know, these four main characters, they're all really driven by a set of principles. And those principles lie on a very various spectrum. Some are very noble and some of them are not. That opposite end of the spectrum is, is Matthew Fox's character, really. And it's in those principles really builds and lead to some choices that have, you know, some positive, but also a lot of very negative consequences. And as you, as you go on, you learn that some of those principles were really built by maybe past experiences they've had. And it, and it turns to this interesting thing where principles lead to choices, lead to events, which lead to maybe principles for other people. And it's kind of this interesting cycle that goes through. And I don't, I don't think this is, you know, somewhat common for Westerns, but I think it really plays a role here. And, yeah. and, and, and Well, the really good quality Westerns were always about the morality that was of, of the characters, like the, the high quality ones. It was always about uh, personal choices, even the lighter ones like Angel and the Bad Man. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's really a meditation on what it means to be good and what it means to be evil. If you've never seen Angel and the Bad Men, it's delightful, by the way. <laughs> so those, that was okay. the last movie that yes. we all saw. And then and I then. had to immediately run and get on a bus because while I was drunk last night, I answered in, <laughs> answered a Facebook post that said, who wants to be in a dunk tank tomorrow night so they can talk shit? And my answer was, I talk shit. <laughs> like the woman in the airplane who says, excuse me, miss, I speak jive. I'm like... Hello, I speak smack. <laughs> and so I had to run and go because I was going to be in a dunk tank. So, dear listeners, the final night party is usually a thing to behold at, at Fantastic Fest. There's usually some big elaborate party, and this year is no exception. That's true. Uh, they rented out a ghost town, uh, which is basically, you know, a bunch of buildings on somebody's ranch. Uh, but basically, they're they're all actual old buildings, old west buildings that were lifted off their foundations and moved to the ranch and put into a ghost town configuration. And now and they've been all fixed up and you know they host weddings there and all, all sorts of stuff and And it, in this it's case very cute. they hosted a donkey show. There's a donkey show not not like the Tijuana type. There was just a donkey <laughs> there that you could say hi to and pet. Um we have a picture of at least Adam and I with uh Jess Cargill mm-hmm. um petting Petting Crackers the donkey. Yes. Who was facing the light because we're smarter than some people I know. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, there, so there were there were there was free flowing alcohol. Yep, it was an open bar with whiskey. With whiskey. So hello, I'm doing good. Um, there was a, a mechanical bull. There was a shooting range, which Jerry apparently is some sort of idiot savant with an air rifle yeah he won a tomahawk as a prize yeah who knew who knew there was a dunk tank yep there was a band there you could get a tattoo if you won the tattoo lottery um there was oh and there was type typewriter rodeo which you go up and you give them a phrase like a short phrase and they have these typewriters and they just right there on the spot compose a poem for you yeah and it was Fantastic. I will take a picture and we will, we're going to put up a gallery of Fantastic Fest photos on yeah. the website and that I will take a picture of that so we can include that. <laughs> the, the, the phrase I gave them was eclectic mayhem. Thank you, Mike Salters. Which, um, I don't believe we've explained yet. Oh, we not never, on the podcast. we never told that on the podcast. So, dear listeners, the reason that we've been calling all these podcasts Fantastic Fest and the Eclectic Mayhem is because the first night, 
the we pre night, the pre zero, day zero. Um, you know, shenanigans happened, and then the next day, Mike Salters posts on Facebook, I've decided to call you, you meaning Wendy and I collectively, I've decided to call you the eclectic mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's us. <laughs> that is so us. So I walk up to this woman at a typewriter, and she's like, "What? so what, what's your phrase? And I said, eclectic mayhem. And her eyes lit up. She's like, oh, that's good and then her fingers started to fly and she's got this typewriter oh it's beautiful i can't wait to post it for you um and there was other things there were slap shots right slap shots where you know you take a drink and you slap the other person and yeah and usually as hard as you can and i did not sign up for that i my neck is out of whack i don't need a little bit more help with that um jerry jerry wasn't around so i couldn't slap him yeah well we were looking for you we couldn't i didn't actually spend any time with you at the closing night party yeah i wound up hanging around a lot with uh susanna and uh 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 david and you know yeah, just I mean, whoever I ran it's, into. It's not like we didn't have a good time. I was just like, well, Melissa, I, I haven't seen Melissa yet. Yeah, I had a very I, chill party, it, literally, because it was cold in the duck tank. The drunk tank, as I dubbed it, because yeah, that would also be accurate. Yes. Ah, I said it. Yeah, I wound up in a really weird conversation about religion with David Canfield and the director of German Angst. Ooh, I wish I'd been there. It was very interesting. Maybe he could have explained parts of his movie to me. Um, <laughs> so um, the reason I signed up to do the dunk tank originally cause, was because they were asking for people to talk shit. And it was Winnie uh, had one slot. She's the volunteer organizer. She's a female. I had another. And other than that, other than us two, it was all men. And I would stop by once in a while, and they were just sitting on that thing. There was no smack talking happening. Ugh. And I was like, you are not bringing it. So I made it my mission that so help me God, I was going to insult the fuck out of anybody who tried to throw a ball at me. Mm -hmm. And I did. Yes. And there was, there was a whole lot of, oh, going on. Yeah. Mm. You would have been proud of me, Melissa. Yeah. I, I was, I was kind of on point there. I am proud of you. Winnie. It wasn't necessarily my best stuff, but it was pretty offensive. It was pretty good. I also threw a lot of Black Phillip devil horns and uh, witness me. Witness. Witness. Luckily for me, I think I preempted most of Wendy's smack talk by dunking her on my very first throw. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he did. He did. Poor Alan tried to dunk me, and I was giving him so, oh, so much shit. I'm like, that's why your wife hasn't been satisfied in years. Because <laughs> <laughs> the target's up there, man. Um, and he couldn't get me. He didn't manage to dunk me. And I was like, oh, I feel kind of bad. Not that bad, though. No. Um, <laughs> so hey, you did your job. I did my job. I had duties to attend to, and I did them. So oh, then, oh, and there was free barbecue. <laughs> There was free. There's free food. Free. By drink. the way, you, Adam, you got your barbecue fixed today, right? I did. I yeah. had my first Austin barbecue experience. Uh -huh. and actually, beforehand, I was talking to Harry Knowles and telling him I was just going to head out to Black's uh, barbecue, and he said, "No, no, no, not Austin barbecue, just barbecue." And after I had Black's, I, I, I think I do agree with him. There's the the barbecue is phenomenal. Had some brisket that was oh lean, good choice yeah melts, yeah. When I go barbecue, it it has to be some kind of brisket. That's that's the way to go. Had a great side of some cream corn and some <laughs> and some and some beans and oh man, it was a delight. It was a delight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and then the party's winding down at 2 a.m. and everybody's got to get back on the bus and so then they get to, they take to the microphones and they're 
they're literally like begging and pleading. Would you drunk motherfuckers get on the goddamn buses? And they were just handing the microphone down the line. Get on the goddamn, get on the fucking bus. Just get on the, get then, on the bus. And then we had Would good you please cop. get on the bus? So then we had good cop come on with the fake British accent. You know, in Britain, people know out of politeness they should get on the bus. <laughs> and it was just so ridiculous to listen to. <laughs> but we weren't riding the bus because we had run into Mike Salters. And as we're just standing there, like, okay, blah, blah, blah. He's, and suddenly all I know is that somebody said Magnolia. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, that was, that was Susanna's idea. <laughs> And, so uh, it was Susanna, myself, Wendy, eventually Adam, and Mike. We all wound up in Magnolia, the as as Wendy calls it, the magnated states of El Pancaco. <laughs> okay, do you know as, where that comes from? <laughs> well, it's a combination of El Pancaco from uh, Inherent Vice and the magnated states of America <laughs> yes. from uh, the Elmo Drafthouse bumper that went viral. Yes, where the woman who got thrown out for talking during a movie left a voicemail. <laughs> Foolishly, as it turns out, on the Alamo, on the Alamo email, voicemail system, so they kept it and turned it into an ad for why you shouldn't talk in their damn movies. Magnited States of America. <laughs> this woman did. She said magnited. Yeah. I swear to God. Oh, it's so painful. It's so, awesome. The Magnolia is the Magnited States of El Pancaco. That's where you want to go when you need some goddamn pancakes. I had the steak and eggs and a pancake. Indeed. And it was so good. And, oh, my God, listeners, I cannot wait to go to bed. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is 4.51 in the morning now. Yeah, but did we ever tell them about Black Phillip? I don't think we ever actually did. Okay, so listeners, I need to explain about Black Phillip. <laughs> in The Witch, there's this black billy goat called Black Phillip. And it's a male goat with the horn, so it's a pretty classic symbol of the devil. And, like, the two young twins are like, Black Philip talks to us. And it's like, and they're, like, all worried about the witch. It's like, did you not notice that you have a goat who looks kind of evil? <laughs> um, and so at the end of the movie, <laughs> and by the way, that black goat shows up in Devil's Candy. Oh, right? totally. Because Satan. Because Satan. And we're like, oh, my God, it's a Black Philip cameo. Um, so at the end of the movie, this is a spoiler, but it's not. Just you need to know so you understand why it's so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> so she, the poor female young girl, is left all alone, and um, she's making her choice about what she's gonna do. So she goes to talk to Black Philip, which she believes has been talking to the kids, and she's she goes in a uh, Black Philip, wilt thou talk to me as thou didst talk to Jonas and Mercy? And there's this pause. And she gets this look on her face like, okay, apparently I'm crazy. And she starts to turn away. And then you just hear this voice. What do you want? <laughs> and I love that she, she like talks to him like a waiter at, at happy hour. She's like, well, I don't know. What do you give me? What do you got? What's on the menu here? So she says, what wilt thou give me? And the answer, and I'm not lying, listeners, that comes back. Seriously. Butter. <laughs> and then there's this pause as he realizes that perhaps he needs to up his game a bit. And then he says, Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Which she looks a lot more interested in. He's like, Sign the book. And then the movie goes on from there. And what has happened is, even though it wasn't like the biggest film at the festival or anything else, Black Philip 
and that idea of living deliciously and just even butter has just been <laughs> resonating through the, the the social networks about Fantastic Fest. Like, if anybody asks you what you want, your first answer is going to be butter. And when we were doing karaoke apocalypse last night, we're like, all hail Black Phillip. Yeah. Throwing devil horns and then saying, Black Phillip. That's right. Team Black Phillip. Yeah. And today when I got into Bone Tomahawk, I posted on social media, all hail Black Phillip and praise his name. I got into Bone Tomahawk. But it means <laughs> that uh, Black Phillip sort of won Fantastic Fest this year, but... Oh my god, butter? It's butter. <laughs> like I, when my when my toast arrived at the Magnolia and it's drenched in butter, I'm like, oh hail Black Phillip. <laughs> well, all I can think of are like those uh Carol Channing commercials for butter. <laughs> <laughs> butter. Butter. <laughs> what does that one? Butter. <laughs> And like somebody on Facebook <laughs> cracked me up this week with like, by the way, guys, if you're offering your soul to the devil, be aware he lowballs you with the first offer. But if you hold out, he totally ups it. <laughs> Definitely. He's yeah. the original used car salesman. <laughs> what does that want? What do you, well, what would you give me? Butter and not that cheap margarine shit. <laughs> We're talking quality stuff. <laughs> Butter. Butter. For your baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> what will thou give me? What will thou give me, Satan? Butter. For your grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> oh, your mother's in here with us, Karis, and she has butter on her pancakes. <laughs> Satan, inner out, Satan. Can you just see? Can you just see that, like Satan's wife is, dude? What the fuck? We're out of butter again. <laughs> You've been giving Where away is all the butter going. <laughs> You've been, like giving that shit away again, haven't you? God damn it! Neighbors keep coming over and borrowing it. <laughs> and, and you know what they say? Damn, this is so delicious. <laughs> I was really thinking my meal wasn't delicious enough, and then I added butter, and now, now it's, I'm just feel like I'm living deliciously. Satan butter. Satan. Oh God, that doesn't sound good. Satan butter. It's, it, it'd definitely be a little spicy, right? Satan butter now available in all circles of hell. <laughs> I'm gonna don't, die. Don't, don't kill Melissa. <laughs> what do you want? What wilt thou give me? Fresh butter on your popcorn. <laughs> it's freshly popped. <laughs> what? What will you give me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and with that voice with that voice that reminds me of like uh Bateman uh uh no uh 
Jesus, a Batman. Bateman. Bateman. <laughs> a Batman. Like, I'm picturing him, like, holding the Joker. Like, what, what, what do you want? What do you want? I don't know. Some butter? <laughs> I just want my butter. <laughs> Pray to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Batman is Black Phillip. Great of me. I'm going to say that Black Phillip is a little bit more subtle than Batman. Yeah, probably. I think we just won up to the click hole Dark Knight theory <laughs> video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I actually barf up the lung. Oh my god. Should, it is 5.03 in the morning. We should fucking wrap this <laughs> we up. We should wrap this up before the sun comes up. Um, I, uh, well, it'll be beautiful. It'll I be mean, be we have this glorious view of downtown I, Austin. I see the morning star. Like, oh, boy. Th- look, there's Venus right there. Oh my. No, that's a satellite. I see it move. Is it? Okay, yeah. if you tell me. So, I don't, right. I, I'm not going to judge. Satellite. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, listeners, all... All hail Black Phillip. And butter. And butter. (laughs) I've been Melissa. This has been Wendy. We've been joined by... Adam. And Black Phillip. And Black Phillip. And we... (laughs) So help me God. This this closes our daily podcasts from Fantastic Fest. It has been an amazing week. Oh, yeah. It really has. I hope you've enjoyed the journey. And you should consider coming down and joining in, but you gotta you gotta be strong to party like this, people. Yeah, bring butter. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of butter. That's when I was lots on, of butter. When I was on the dump tank, I was like, "You can't hit me. I'm coated in butter." <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.